check here. Welcome to Shabbat Shalom. Just wanting confirmation that you're hearing the piano. You're also hearing my voice. And if you're hearing the piano, you're hearing one of my favorite hymns in our hymnal. I just want to send out greetings on cgi.church online to beautiful Julie, Becca, Dylan, Eric, John 927, Al, Maryland, Mark, Julie, Murray, RJ, Sylvie, the Wilcox family, Al, CW, Ernie, LB33, Neen37, Welcome everyone and thank you Becca, Sister Becca for confirming that you can hear the piano. We'll get started in just a moment. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Shabbat service coming here from uh, Burlington and Ottawa congregation. It's such a beautiful day outside today. It's not as hot as it was yesterday, but it's a beautiful sunshine, beautiful weather. And finally, I could say that the summer has arrived to Canada. So as I said, welcome again, no matter from where you're watching us, North America, Europe, from whatever state, whatever province of Ontario, welcome one more time. And I know... I think that the time is coming, and we probably in the near future, that we're going to appreciate the Sabbath service as we come together as brothers and sisters, even more than we do it now. And the reason why I'm saying this thing, we can just notice how the political, how the economic, how all the situation can change in a matter of not just months or years. Everything can change in a matter of few days. So I hope that we'll appreciate just to be together, you know, God's people, same mind, same thinking, on the same page, praising and worshiping God today and bringing to our Savior and to our God all the praise and all the glory that they deserve together. So at this time, we'll have an opening prayer, and the opening prayer will come from uh, from Brother Peter Wilcox from Ottawa Congregation. Holy Father in heaven, Holy One of Israel, we are so grateful for this technology that we can still meet together, all of the brethren virtually and share and partake of your holy message, this weekly message. And we are grateful for, for this, Father. And we are grateful for you, Father, for who you are. And Father, we we come together here today in these dark times. Things are changing so quickly. Your word teaches us to stay focused on you and not partake in things of the world. Your word teaches us through many different uh, areas and books that we are not to bow down to any other gods. You are the only God that we bow down to. We are not to bow down or kneel or lay prostrate for any other gods. And we are not to partake into any doctrines of men and deceptions you are our god father and we are here today to glorify you and to learn more about you and we appreciate this and we thank you for this and we thank you in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen amen and amen thank you brother peter for this opening prayer 
And now we're going to go to the hymn. And right after hymn, we're going to have a scripture reading with Jude. If you go to the book, the last book before the book of Revelations, if you have your Bible open, Jude will be read uh, verses 1 through 5. But before we go there, we'll have a, we'll have a hymn. And this Sabbath, we'll sing hymn on page 41. You have there. If you have the booklet, if you don't have the booklet, just turn it on, on the, on the words on the screen. 41, Savior like a shepherd lead us. Brethren, the scripture reading today is taken from the book of Jude, verses 1 to 5. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness, and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though, you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Amen.
Thank you so much, Brother Daniel. Now at this time, we'll have uh, some announcements. And let me just quickly go through some of the announcements for this week. First, I just want to mention some prayer requests. Those of us who live close by here, it was on the Slack message, but this is just me repeated for everybody here to, to know. Our brother, William from London Congregation, died peacefully, you know, last week in his sleep. So please, please pray for his family as they grieve and also for the London congregation. He was a vital part of this congregation and I, I also personally got to know him and I saw him on a few occasions and we had some times to talk together some, some very, very difficult issues and he was very intelligent man and brother. And now the second request from Pastor Murray. His sister traces in hospital with her appendix. And because there is a small perforations in her appendix, they are not able to remove it yet. So they have to stabilize and reduce the infections to the point that they can operate to remove it. So it might take several weeks, and this is a serious matter. So just please keep Tracy, Pastor Murray's sister, in your prayers. And now let's go shift to the weekly Bible study, as we know, every Wednesday at 7.30. And as Pastor Agent goes through the book of Judges, it's a fascinating study. As I mentioned here so many times, and I encourage you, if you missed any of the parts, you can all find it at CJORG. Everything is there is an archive. You can go from, from chapter 1 all the way to the chapter 8. It's a very fascinating study. I think it reflects the way of Christianity, the, the way how we live today. And also the last announcement, please join us next Sabbath. So next Sabbath. As we still are confined to our homes yet, we can still meet in a, we can still meet together here. We're still restricted by our local governments here. So please join us next Sabbath right here at the same time at 2.30. Next week at the same time, please join us again at 2.30. So thank you. That's where the, I will take care of the announcements. Now go to the next hymn. Well, before to the next hymn, let me announce the sermon for today. So the sermon will be delivered to us by Pastor Agent Davis with a, with a fascinating, interesting title. Will you plead for Baal? Will you plead for Baal? But before we go to the main message, we'll have one more hymn. And this time, this hymn will be on page 227, 227. And the title of the hymn is Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of Our Fathers.
Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Sabbath service. Uh, just so wonderful for all of us to be together and be able to assemble faithfully. Uh, what a beautiful hymn. I was just looking at the, the lyrics and just reflecting on just what a beautiful faith we have, this faith of our fathers, this holy faith. And through this faith, this is how mankind will be truly free. Well, I want to ask you, brethren, this past week has been a tumultuous week, and I, I want you to look within yourself as you answer this question. How did you react when you saw police officer Derek Chauvin kneel on George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes while his life was extinguished right before our eyes? Well, everyone that I know was shocked and outraged. It, it was just unbelievable. It was un unconscionable. And hopefully you were shocked and outraged too. And, and I just have to say, and I, I hope, you know, you'll take this in the right spirit, that if you were able to look at that and you were not outraged, then something is wrong. Somewhere inside, you're broken. Because it's just not possible for anybody with a heart to look at what transpired and to see the inhumanity of it and not grieve. Not grieve. Well, everyone that I've spoken to has been outraged. In fact, you know, in 700 cities or over 700 cities across America, people demonstrated that outrage by rioting. And, and not just America, it's not just confined to America. The protests and, and the riots have spilled out into other countries around the world all over this murder. So as we come out of Pentecost, and symbolically we are demonstrating now this, this church age between now and, and the return of Christ, I think we all have to acknowledge we've turned a corner. We're living in some very, very dangerous times. Let's begin today over in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, because as much as the world is dangerous for everybody, there is a particular danger for those in the Lord. There is a particular danger for those of us who call ourselves Christians and who are put the name of God upon ourselves. We face a danger that no one else faces. Let's go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, and we'll break in at verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Everybody wants freedom. We all want freedom. It's, it's in the human soul. In fact, every living being. You try to hold any animal down, it, wants to, it fights for its freedom. It's natural. We all want freedom. And we have been called to true freedom. Only, do not use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh. So there's a risk that in this freedom of the Lord, we could be seduced into using this freedom as an occasion for the flesh. And so Satan, the danger we face, is that Satan is going to be hunting and prowling and looking for opportunities to find that occasion for the flesh. That in our freedom, the choice that we would make would be to go after the flesh. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love 
serve one another. So, so there's a choice that we have a liberty, we have freedom, and God expects us to exercise that freedom one way or the other. One way in the Lord, this, this is not speaking to carnal people, this is speaking to Christians. So in the Lord, one way is that we serve one another. We are focused on one another. And we prefer one another. And yes, we serve all men, but especially those in the household of faith. And then the other choice, in the Lord, in the Spirit, as Christians, in our freedom of choice, is to go after the flesh and not serve our brethren. So he says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the point of the whole law, as yourself. The same thing you would hope for yourself, you would hope for your neighbor. But, uh-oh, there's a but. So that, that's, that's a, that's, this is dangerous now. So there's dangerous territory that Christians can enter into. And we should shudder now as we read this verse, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, take heed, that you are not, it says, consumed one of another, but let's say modern English, be careful that you do not destroy one another spiritually. This is the danger. That as Christians, within the body of Christ, within the household of God, we run the risk of destroying each other, making each other unfit for the kingdom of God. This is a reality. And this is a unique danger that Christians face. You know, we see a lot of turmoil in the world today and people losing their lives. All these people that lose their lives, it is tragic, but they have hope because all of them will be resurrected and all of them will have the blindfold removed and all of them will have the opportunity to learn the truth. We already know the truth. So if we destroy one another and make each other unfit for the kingdom of God, then there's no other sacrifice by which men may be... We've already accepted the sacrifice of Christ. So this is a very serious word that Paul has for us here. Be careful not to bite and devour one another. We We should use love to serve one another, but we could end up, instead of loving each other, we could end up destroying each other. This I say then, walk you in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the flesh has a lust. There's a natural inclination that we have as human beings. There's a natural kinship that we have with other humans that Paul would say is the lust of the flesh. And he says, rise above that and instead walk in the spirit. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. They're they're not on the same page. We're going one way or the other. We are loving the brethren and by so doing, demonstrating our love for God. Or we're biting and devouring the brethren and in so doing, despising our calling and despising our Lord. We can't do both. It's one or the other. One way or the other. And we have the liberty to choose which way we will go. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have it. I cannot have it both ways. It is one way or the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. So we have a wish. We have a, an intention. And Satan comes along and seduces us. The same way he seduced our mother Eve. Appealing to her vanity. Appealing to her self-interest. 
and he took her off course. And so in the same way, this is the danger that we face today. Is it really such a danger, though? You know, was Paul just sort of talking about a condition for the Galatians that the rest of us who who did not live at that time or we do not live in Galatia, do we have to be concerned about what Paul was bringing to the attention of the Galatian brethren? Well, I think if we look at the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, then yes, this is a very real concern. He warned us, in fact, that a day would come. Think about the Lord's warning. He said, a day is going to come that you're going to hate one another. And you're going to betray one another. And we're going to kill one another. This, this sounds crazy. This sounds impossible. But the scripture says, let the Lord be true and every man a liar. So every man before God is a liar. And God's word stands. And God's word tells us that a day is coming when we're going to hate one another. We're going to betray one another. And we're going to kill one another. That can only mean that between now and the return of Christ, there's going to be a narrative in the air, a zeitgeist that is gradually going to creep into our psyche. And that narrative is going to change our perception so that we no longer see our brother as our brother. We no longer see our sister as our sister. The narrative has taken over and we now see the brother as an enemy. We now distance ourselves from the sister. And that distancing, gradual as it may be, begins to lead to the ability to betray. It leads to the ability to hate. And once hate is in place, once that despising is in place, it leads to the ability to kill. We don't just wake up one day and say, you know, I've been singing hymns side by side with my brother, side by side with my sister, arm in arm. We're singing the lovely hymns. And I don't just I don't just wake up the next day and decide I'm going to kill my brother. It's got to happen gradually and convince. There has to be a narrative that is very convincing that creeps into my psyche over time. And then the same brother, the same sister that I was singing with, I'm good in betraying them. In fact, I am thrilled that they are being put to death for sake of the new narrative that I have adopted, which is not the faith of our fathers. It's a different faith. So how do we go from this place where on the day of Pentecost, we are all gathered together in one accord and receiving the Holy Spirit from God? How do we go from that? That, you know, Acts 2, Christ said in Acts 1, stay together. You're going to receive the power of the Spirit. But while he told them that, He had already foretold of a time that brethren would betray one another. So how do we go from Pentecost and the unity of Pentecost to the betrayal, the hatred, and the murder of one another? Is there evidence today of cracks in our fellowship? Is there evidence today that it's possible that that we might actually see how this could come about? Well, I think, brethren, there is. And I think what has transpired in this past week is beginning to show the cracks in the fellowship. And I'm calling on you, with me, to mend those cracks. To not allow those cracks to get any bigger 
within the fellowship. That as soon as we see the crack, because we have the prophecy, because we know where this will lead, because all we know, because we know that all Satan needs is a little crack for him to get the thin edge of the wedge in, and then he'll burst the door open. Because we know all of this, can we work together? Can we help one another? Can we converse in reasonable ways to try to figure out together how to navigate this so that we don't end up in this place that there is very clear warning within God's word that we will destroy one another? Ask yourself, I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're Asian, whatever race, color, creed, ethnic background you are. Ask yourself, do you find yourself in a position where these affinities are more important to you than the affinity we have in Christ through the Holy Spirit? Do you see brethren that are demonstrating that they have a priority that is higher than the fellowship in Christ? Because if there is evidence of this now, we see how quickly our world is changing, how one day to the next it's completely unpredictable what we will face. We do not yet know what is coming. But if there are cracks in the fellowship now, what is coming is going to overwhelm us and burst open the fellowship. So what I want to do for the sermon today is begin a conversation among the saints. Can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk rationally and, 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 and reasonably and, and in a loving spirit? I, I believe we can. I believe 100% the saints are capable of conversing with one another around difficult subjects in love. And, and really with the objective of helping each other avoid the wrath of God. The wrath of God is coming upon this earth. We do not want to be a part of that. We do not want to see any of our fellowship have to experience that. We want that wrath to pass over us. And it's going to fall on the head of the wicked. But let it not fall upon us. In John 16, let's go to John 16 and verse 1. Just one verse, but it's a very critical verse. John 16 and verse 1. Christ lays out the dark future for the saints. He doesn't say it's all going to be fine. Everything's going to go well. You know, we're just going to skip all, skip and sing the way to the kingdom. He makes it clear we're going to suffer. And then he says this very interesting thing in verse 1 of chapter 16. John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you. I've told you these things that you should not be offended. The Greek word is scandalizo. That you should not scandalizo. Which means that you should not fall into sin. That you won't be caught, you won't put, you won't be put in a situation where you end up sinning. And the greatest sin for us that we face, the greatest threat, is to not discern the Lord's body. To betray the Lord by betraying a brother or sister in the Lord. This is the offense. That the time that will come, that we will hate one another, that we will betray one another, that we will kill one another, 
Christ is telling us these things ahead of time so we don't fall into that. And again, it's going to be a narrative that creeps into the church gradually and then takes over. Let's go now to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, because maybe we think, no, no, I'm just too spiritual. I'm a very mature Christian. And you know what? I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. So nothing to worry about here, nothing to see here. I know what Christ said, but he didn't really mean it. So move along. Everything's fine. We don't have to worry. Well, I'm going to tell you as a minister of God, we have to worry. And we have to be concerned for one another. Because the Lord didn't say that few would betray one another. He said that many, the love of many will grow cold. And many will betray one another. So hopefully within CGI and the culture that we're developing here, we'll see few, maybe none within CGI. But within the church as a whole, Christ makes it clear and his words are true. There will be many betrayers. There will be many who have the Holy Spirit that the agape that the Holy Spirit enables will run cold because they allowed another narrative besides the faith of our fathers to take over. Here in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 1, the scripture reads, and this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian brethren, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. I, I, I can't stand this. I cannot have it. As a minister of God, I can't have you ignorant of this thing. What is it? How that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Many will betray the love of many will wax cold, even though many drank from the rock that is Christ. But with many of them, God was not pleased, was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Between Egypt and the promised land, they failed. Between Pentecost and the return of Christ, many will fail. Now these things, so we read these things, they're in the ancient text, it's historical record, we can read it. Why should we read it? Now these things were our examples. To the intent, the reason it's recorded, is to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Is it possible, brethren, for us, filled with the Holy Spirit, having the joy in the Lord, is it possible for us to be seduced and to lust after evil things? Well, the, the record wouldn't be in the books if it were not possible. Paul says it's recorded in the history books so that we can read it and be warned because it's possible. In fact, Christ tells us it's going to happen. Neither be you idolaters and our brother Peter in the opening prayer, he said, we should not bow down to any other God except Jehovah. So it is possible, and I appreciate the prayer, because wittingly or unwittingly, Satan is clever. He's a mastermind. It's possible for us to be bowing down 
and worshipping other gods. Neither be you idolaters, as some of them were. The instruction wouldn't be here if it wasn't possible. Paul is not speaking in vain. He's he's an intelligent man. He was an intelligent man. He doesn't have time to waste. He He operated his ministry with urgency, and he had no time to waste. He wouldn't be recording this if it were not possible. Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. They lost the narrative. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed. And you know, the ministers are not stupid. There are brethren among us committing fornication. And again, hopefully not in CGI, but certainly in the church of God. Stop. That is the worship of the devil. Stop it. Any sexual activity outside of marriage is the worship of the devil. Stop it. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000 Israelites who fed off the rock of Christ, the spiritual one of Israel, and they, they betrayed him to his face. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur you as some of them also murmured, and this is just a human proclivity, it's, a, it's the inclination of the, the human heart to murmur. God doesn't like it. And we're instructed here, if we tremble at God's word, we're instructed here not to murmur, as they also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. And we see the destroyer is flexing his muscles now, and he's sweeping through the land. Globally, he's destroying. We're seeing a level of destructiveness that's rising. We, we had a lot of decades of relative peace and, and stability. And it, it's slipping away. And the destroyer is at work. And they were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all, listen to what Paul says. This is, histor- this is the historical record. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for the admonition of those who now have the Holy Spirit of God of those who have been drafted and placed into the church of God and have received the Holy Spirit, we are to read the historical record and take warning because it's an example of what can happen to us. There is no once saved, always saved. That is a false doctrine. Get rid of it. Do not take God for granted. Honor him and contend for the faith. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So as we come to the end of man's age, we need to be hypersensitive to what happened anciently, to the things that happened anciently. We need to be hypersensitive because those things are there for the example of those who would live right before Christ returns. Because right before Christ returns, many are going to give themselves over to idolatry. Therefore, listen listen to Paul. Listen to the Holy Spirit speak through Paul. Listen to God as he inspires uh, inspires Paul through the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Therefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed 
lest he fall. We, we, we have this risk, brethren, because the destroyer is loose. And there's a wave of deception that's flowing all over the world. And it's going to intensify as we get closer to the return of Christ. And if we are complacent, we are going to be seduced. We have to be on our guard. And we have to keep studying the, the historical records. So our, our Deacon Jan said, you know, the, the book of Judges, he's, he's studying this with, with, with intensity. Because he's seeing patterns anciently that are with us today. This is what God wants. That we would study the historical record and from it take warning that we do not be seduced. So my first point today, brethren, specifically with the events of this past week, is this is about sin, not skin. This is about sin, not skin. And I, I didn't make this up. I was actually talking to a business colleague. And this is what he and I said, that's, that's exactly right. This is about sin. It's not about skin. So whatever your race, I want you to picture a world full of people of only your race. So I'm a black man. I'm going to just have my imagination of every single person that I see and I've ever seen that every single person is black like me. If you're white, every single person on the planet is white, whatever your race. Picture everybody, they're the same race as you. Do we now live in paradise? Is this utopia? Is this just a wonderful thing? Or do we still have violence? Do we still have oppression? Do we still have theft? Do we still have the breaking of God's commandments? So does, is skin color the, the, the ticket to paradise? Can we, can we be so easily seduced by this? But somehow, the world is seduced by it. And George Floyd has become a rallying cry the world over. But I want to say, as tragic as his death is, and I cannot imagine the heartache and the pain of his family having to watch that video of the, the brutal slaying of their family member. But as brutal as that is, as horrific as it was, George Floyd is not the rallying cry of Christians. We just have to, this is just fact. Because it's an issue of sin, not skin. Let's be clear about what happened and what didn't happen. Let me start with what didn't happen. What didn't happen is a black man who harmed nobody was on his way one day to church. He was on his way to the church service so that he could hear the word of the Lord. And as he walked peacefully to church, he was confronted by white police officers who asked him, where do you think you're going? And he said, well, I, I just want to go to worship the Lord. And they said, I don't think so. You're black. You have no business being here and you probably have COVID-19. You should be locked up in your house. And so they violently assaulted him and slaughtered him because he was black. And so now the whole world is outraged over such injustice. That's not what happened. So what did happen? Because if that's what happened, the global outrage that we see would make a lot of sense. But that's not what happened. Let's talk about what really happened so we're not confused. And again, there is no justification for the horrific slaughter of this man. None. But what happened? Well, the officer, Derek Chauvin, was fired immediately. As soon as it came to light, he was dismissed immediately. He was charged with murder and indicted 
And his wife immediately filed for divorce. And not a single person anywhere is saying, well, you need to understand, it's a, a very, what he did was fine. Nobody's saying that. The world over, he has been condemned and the wheels of justice have already begun. So what are we rioting for? We, we want justice? Well, what kind of justice? Should, should we, should we uh, put him on live TV and shoot him in the head? And, and then our bloodlust will be satisfied? Well, what do we want? He, he, nobody agrees with him. I mean, if we waited, and then he went to court, and then in court, they said, well, it's just a black man, who cares? And this is a white officer, we have to kind of stick to, and they let him free. And then violence erupted. I, I'm not one for violence, but the anger, because justice was not served, we would have to say, well, okay, justice wasn't served. But the wheels of justice kicked in immediately. This was unacceptable behavior. So sin, not skin. The officer was sinful. But let's not be seduced and tell ourselves that George Floyd, George Floyd was an innocent man. He was not an innocent man. He was not an innocent man. George Floyd and Officer Derek Chauvin knew each other well. They had a relationship. They worked together. George Floyd was a known criminal. And Derek Chauvin obviously was a corrupt police officer. And the idea that corrupt police officers and criminals work hand in hand and have relationships, this isn't new. This happens all over every, every big city. Even small cities have this. So when, with previous history and relationship, this thing happens where George Floyd is passing counterfeit money or signing counterfeit checks to acquire, I think he was trying to acquire drugs, and there's something that goes wrong between a corrupt officer and a criminal, why do we automatically assume that this is racism. Why couldn't the same thing happen between two black people or two white people? One, a criminal betrays or double crosses a corrupt officer or vice versa. Why, why do we automatically assume he's killed because he's black? Was George Floyd innocent? He was a criminal. He was in and out of prison. In fact, I think the last prison sentence he, he served for five years was because he broke into the house of a pregnant woman. He pointed a, a loaded gun in her stomach, looking for drugs while his friends ransacked her house, uh, threatening to kill her and the baby in her womb. And then he pistol whipped this pregnant woman. And now she has to watch as the world and even Christians hold up George Floyd as some sort of saint and some sort of heroic figure. Not only that, he was deep into drugs. His body was filled with fentanyl and, and methamphetamine. He was a drug addict. He was a violent felon. And, and worse, he was an adult film star. He was deep into pornography. Pornography is the worship of Baal. So here we have a Baal worshiper that the whole world is holding up the worshiper, the saint of Baal. As a hero, oh, but all worship is wonderful. If black lives matter, then the dignity of black women matters. And taking black women and degrading them with pornographic acts and broadcasting that so that we can seduce young men or even old men into the depth of pornography and the worship of Satan and the worship of Baal through, porno through pornographic filth 
This is George Floyd. And this is now the world over. We're holding up George Floyd as our hero. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. This is fact. This is fact. There's video of George Floyd himself boasting of his pornographic career. This is our hero as Christians. This is who we're going to stand and maybe stand against our brother or sister in the Lord to defend pornography, drug addiction, violence, threatening to shoot a pregnant woman in her womb. Galatians 3. Galatians 3 and verse 22. But the scripture has concluded all under sin. There's no race that somehow has the upper hand on righteousness. The scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. We're all sinful. We're all sinners. Such were some of you. We've all come out of this. And we choose Christ so that we believe and that the promise of faith can be given to us. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And remember, anciently, our forefathers were baptized into, in, in, into, into Christ, in a manner of speaking. And with all of them, he was not well pleased. We've been baptized into Christ. We want him to say, well done, faithful servant. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. Drop these agendas as Christians. When we come into the church of God, we no longer push the Greek agenda. We no longer push the Jewish agenda. We no longer push the bondman agenda. We no longer push the free man agenda. We no longer push the male agenda. We no longer push the female agenda. We push the kingdom of God. This, we, we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. So yeah, black lives matter. That, that's a nice saying. Kind of. Because immediately, it's, it's separating black from everybody else. And it ends up with black lives are superior, which we can clearly see. This is the agenda. All lives matter. And this, this should truly be our, our, our rallying cry, that human beings made in the image of God, in the image and likeness of God, we want all human beings to be free. We want all human beings to realize their potential in the Lord. And we're not being seduced by these carnal agendas. We have been liberated from this. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. This is our affinity. Who's in Abraham? Who is Abraham's seed? Because this is my true brother and this is my true sister. You are Abraham's seeds and, and heirs according to the promise. This promise that has given, been given to us through Christ. Now, there is um, a, a DC resident. Her name is Nestreed Yumga. Listen to her as she assesses the... Um, as she assesses, and just give me a second here, uh, just give me a moment. I need to stop this. Yeah, so, so she's going to give an assessment now of, um, 
She's going to give an assessment of this Black Lives Matter. So she was involved in the uh, protest. She went out to the protest and she was listening very carefully to what the protesters were saying. And I want you to listen carefully to what she has to say. So, you know, very clearly, and she's very clear about this, Black Lives Matter is a hypocritical movement. That she's saying, if Black Lives Matter, why don't you care about all the slaughter of black lives in Chicago? It it only matters if a a white police officer kills a black person. That's the only time black lives matter. And and if we look at, you know, let's let's deal with facts here. If we look at the actual statistics, and let's do that. Let's, Let's just take a look here at the actual statistics. If we look at the the stats, and we'll just do that right now, this is from the FBI, and these are their stats. These are the the crime stats for 2018. That's the the latest year I could get them. But look at this. This is the race of the victim. So these are white victims. This is murder. These are white people that have been murdered. In 2018, 3,315 white people were killed. The offender... The majority of the offenders were white. So white on white crime is the biggest issue. Black people, 514 black people killed were the perpetrators of these crimes. So white people have a problem. It's white on white crime. What about black people? Black people for the year 2018, 2,925 black lives were lost. Of those... They were killed by 234 white people. 2,600 black people slaughtered 2,900 of the 2,925. They were killed by 2,600 black people. So just looking at these stats, what we can see is there's a problem in America. White people are killing white people and black people are killing black people. So if white lives matter, then all the white people need to do something about white people killing white people. And if black lives matter, then us black people need to do something about black people killing black people. And that's exactly what this woman was saying, that it's hypocritical to say that black lives matter. When you look at Minneapolis over the course of a year, one black person died at the hands of a white officer. 
And in that same year, if you look, every weekend, black people are dying at the hands of black people. So if it's true that we truly care about black lives, we have higher priorities than white police officers killing black people. In fact, if you look at the stats, more white people are killed by white police officers than they are than black people are, even though black people commit far more crime. And there's a reason for that as well, and it has to do with the policies of these different mayors and the, the socialistic agenda to make black people impoverished. But the problem is, the, the, the real problem is abortion. If black lives matter, we need to tackle abortion. Because millions of, millions of black souls are slaughtered every year with abortion. If black lives matter, we need to stop that. Then the next level of, of, of a priority is black men killing black men. I travel all over the states. The last thing on my mind is being killed by a police officer. If I'm driving in the States, what I'd be worried about is taking a wrong turn and ending up in a neighborhood where I'm not known and I could be killed by another black man who looks just like me. Statistically, that is far more likely than me being killed by a police officer. So there's an agenda here. And I think that that woman was very, very clever uh, to confront or very, very, um, how should I say, very um, bold to confront these people and say, you're hypocrites. How, how come Black Lives Matter sometimes, but most of the times you couldn't care less? There's an agenda. You know, so I went and I looked at um, Black Lives Matter website and I gave a, I gave a sermon on this uh, four years ago. It was new to us then. And I spoke out about Black Lives Matter. That sermon is in the archives. It's called Who's My Brother? And I would encourage you, because I'm not going to go into detail today, but I would encourage you to go into the archives and look or or write to us, info at cgi.org, and request that sermon, Who's My Brother? Because I went into detail of the, the Black Lives Matter movement and the Marxist ideology behind it and how it has nothing to do. It has a nice fancy name, but it has nothing to do with the value of black lives. So I went to their website again today to refresh my mind with their value system. And do you know what? It's not there. They've taken it down. And I just, I was looking all over the website and saying like, where is it? Cause I know they were, they were completely anti-Christic. They hate Jesus Christ. And it was so clear to me how much they hate Jesus Christ. But I, I, I said, you know, there's something, it, I, I've got to find it. So what did I do? I went to the Wayback Machine. And I said, show me the website for Black Lives Matter in 2016, because they've been silent for years. And I thought they went away. Silly me. I should have realized, no, they'll come back when it's time for elections. So 2016 was an election year. Black Lives Matter was everywhere. Then they went away. 2020 is an election year. Black Lives Matter has emerged again. Curious. Curious that. Very interesting that they take us for fools. They think we can be played. They think we can be bamboozled, that we can be hoodwinked. So I went back to the Wayback Machine because I said, I know it's here. And I went back to 2016, February 2016, to say, what does the Wayback Machine say? And it's there. So these are their guiding principles. And we'll just take a look at a couple of them to see, are we going to fight for this Black Lives Matter movement? Are we going to put this movement in front of our own brethren? Transgender affirming. We are committed to embracing and making space for trans brothers and sisters to participate and lead. 
We are committed to being self-reflexive and doing the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege. So cisgender privilege means you are cisgendered if you believe that you are the gender that you were born, biologically born into. So when you're born and whatever, you know, if you're born male and you think you're male, then you're cisgendered. If you're a female and you think you're female, you're cisgendered. That's a thing. So they're, they're gonna, they're, they're uh, committed to doing the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. So the agenda is to forward the trans movement. Now, when the trans movement is, is, uh, prominent, when they have successfully, uh, pushed forward the trans movement, what role will the Bible play in that society? If we had all trans mayors and trans governors and a trans president or a trans prime minister, do they love the Bible? Do they love Christianity? Or would they want to completely remove it because it condemns them? Black families. We are committed to making our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We are committed to dismantling the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts that require them to mother in private even as they participate in justice work. In other words, we are all for abortion. We want to slaughter babies in the womb because that's unfair. Queer affirming. We are committed to fostering a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless she or he or they disclose otherwise. And I could go on and on and on that these people are worshipers of Baal. They are Baal worshipers and they are violent and they are ruthless and their desire is to overthrow society and to completely wipe out any trace of its Judeo-Christian heritage. And they think they can fool us. They think they can recruit us to put them in power so that they can slaughter and destroy our own children and we will help them do it. I say no. No. We're not going to go along with that. And they've hidden it now. So 2016, maybe people did their research and they saw who these people are. Now when you go on their website, they don't show that anymore. They're spinning a narrative that people will read and think, oh, this sounds reasonable, and they don't know what they're getting caught up in. So why does it matter that we don't get caught up in this narrative? Well, Western civilization is collapsing right before our eyes. And with it, any respect for the Bible, any respect for Jesus Christ. There's a hatred for Christ. There's a despising of the Bible. And these people have an agenda to bring down Western civilization so that they can bring down the core values that made the West great. And these core values come out of the Bible. Respect for the individual. That the individual has rights that are God-given. That the individual has freedom. And no government can take that freedom away from the individual. This is what has made the West great. And it has allowed people to just flourish 
I'm going to speak personally. I, I, I was born into an unfortunate circumstance. And I was a very angry teenager. And I put myself in a position where I, I, was, I was homeless and impoverished and, and heading nowhere and heading into a life of crime. I should be in prison and, and cycling. I should be like George Floyd. So I can have empathy for him. And somehow God had mercy on me. And I had a desire to understand what's this all about. And through that desire, I was able to leave a potential horrible life. And I went from homelessness and complete poverty, complete ghetto living, side by side with armed criminals and drug dealers, to sitting in boardrooms with billionaires, to flying in private jets, having champagne and cheese and grapes with billionaires in their private jets. How is that even possible? And if you tell me a society where that's possible, where somebody can say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop, I'm going to get educated, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to accept Christ, and I'm going to live by Christian principles, and I'm going to, I'm going to do something constructive, and then rise. And we've just had, in America, the greatest economy ever in the history of the greatest country ever. Do the research and show me another civilization that is as benevolent as America. Of course she has her flaws. Of course there's corruption. Of course there's horrible things that take place in America. But relative to other empires, relative to other societies, show me another civilization that is as benevolent as America. And it's coming down. It's collapsing. Forty years ago, I would have fallen for Black Lives Matter. I would have been in the front lines. I would have been the most violent kid in the front lines. They can't fool me today because I have Christ and I have the word of God. And 40 years ago, I cheered when Ayatollah Khomeini captured American hostages. And I chanted, down with America. And I hated America and everything she stood for because I was hoodwinked. 40 years later, after the Iranian revolution, and they brought down Western civilization, their own hands, now these people that brought down Iran, Western civilization, and yes, the Shah was corrupt, but people were free. And these people who brought down Western civilization in Iran, now they're looking at their children being tortured, dis being disappeared, being raped in front of their eyes, and they can do nothing about it. And they helped bring this about. And we're doing the very same thing today. We are helping with the, the destruction of the greatest civilization that's ever been. Of course it's corrupt. Of course there's sin. It's the greatest civilization that has ever been. And we're being hoodwinked into bringing it down. So it's okay. Okay, yes, I, I agree. This is horrible. All right, so, so what's the plan? Okay, yeah. Okay, so, so we riot. Yeah, yeah, we riot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then we loot. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, okay, I'll loot. Yep. Yeah, throw bricks through windows. Yep. Yeah, steal. Okay, yep. Yeah, good, good. Kill people. Okay, yeah, good, good. Oh, assassinate the president. Yeah, good. Assassinate. Bring down the civilization. Yeah, okay, good. And, and then what? Okay, what, what's the plan now? Now that we've destroyed Western civilization, what, what are we doing now? Oh, oh there is no plan. <laughs> there, we, we, we played the fool. We, we brought down the greatest economy. We brought down the greatest civilization, and we never stop to ask, what comes next? When we do this all over the world, 
what, what is the Marxist ideology? A, a sister posted in Slack channel, uh, the, the exact quote, I don't remember what Stalin said, the death of one is a tragedy. The death of 10,000, it's a statistic. So we're going to slaughter people, slaughter them en masse, writ large. 57,000 people died in nursing homes in New York because of the governor's decision to force nursing homes to take people who are infected with the COVID-19 and you have to take them back and you have to stay in the nursing home. 57,000 and a lot of them black died. Not a word. No outrage. A criminal runs afoul of the law enforcement and he dies and the whole world is up in arms. The death of one is a tragedy. 10,000, 57,000, statistic. When Muslim rape gangs rape young girls in the hundreds of thousands, maybe in the millions, it's a statistic. When a criminal runs afoul of law enforcement and dies, the whole world is up in arms. Where do you stand? Where do I stand? Where's Dr. Fauci? <laughs> we saw him every day. Now, and, and, and people go out to try to uh, protest peacefully by opening up their business, they're thrown in jail. And Dr. Fauci was out there saying, this is dangerous, this COVID is going to spread. Now people are out looting and shooting and killing and smashing bricks in people's heads and destroying life. And a, a baby is caught in, in a fire and the fire men are trying to save, put the fire out to save the baby. And criminals are preventing them so the baby can burn alive. Where's Dr. Fauci? When all these people, shouldn't Dr. Fauci and all the media be saying, I, I realize everybody, this is important. I know you want to protest, but please, COVID-19, please don't, you know, wear your masks. It, it'll help you not be recognized and it will help you not spread COVID-19. He's gone. What's going on? Proverbs 1 and verse 7. Should we get caught up in this? Should our children get caught up in this? Should we give any sort of endorsement of these behaviors. Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this at 15, when God reached down, 15, my 16 years old, and God started to put in me the fear of the Lord. Because I had good upbringing. Parents, we have to give our children good up. I thank God for my mom every day. She's, she's my hero. What I saw her go through and what she came out of and the value she instilled in us, that had a lot to do with God being able to use me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, we're trying to give wisdom instruction, but fools will despise it. And hopefully our children will not be fools, that we can sit down with our children and show them a bigger picture. And I got, even though I didn't grow up with my father, there was a conversation he had with me that he was able to show me a bigger picture. And that helped me tremendously. Because I was a young person. I could only see this. And he, he helped me to see this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto your head and chains about your neck. Amen and amen. My son, if sinners entice you, consent you not. Do not go along with them. If they say, come with us, you know, I can't breathe. We're going to make this into a chant. 
We're going to make George Floyd a hero. Come with us. Let us lay wait for blood. We're going to slaughter people. We're going to take bricks and we're going to throw them in people's heads and throw them in property and we're going to loot and steal. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. And when a baby is going to burn to death, we're going to prevent firefighters from getting in there to save the baby. This is not about George Floyd. This is something else. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave. This is the agenda. This has always been the agenda of evil people. This is the agenda. Anybody who is a high priest of Baal, the high priest of Baal, this is the agenda. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. This is the future. We wreck the economy. We destroy all small businesses so that the only shopping now is we go to Costco, we go to Amazon. There's only big business. All the small family businesses are destroyed. We take away all the freedoms, freedom of speech, any freedom, we take it away. And we assassinate the president. Then what's the plan? Okay, now that we've done all of that, great, we're victorious. Now what? Well, now the high priest of Baal will reveal the real agenda. We did it to ourselves, just as the Iranians did it to themselves and did it to their children and their grandchildren. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance, flat screen TVs, jewelry, where we shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. It's all going to be great. Because Satan will always appeal to our lusts. My son, walk not you in the way of them. My brethren, do not give any psychological agreement with this behavior. Don't be seduced. My son, walk not you in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path. Whatever opportunity you have as a parent with your children, as a friend with your colleagues, as a teacher with your students, as an elder with your platform and your congregations, you have to speak out against this evil. We have to speak out against this evil. Let not 2025 and 2030 and the future and the return of Christ come. And we look back upon this pivotal year of 2020 and we were silent. We saw it and we said nothing. We saw it and we supported it. We saw it and we endorsed it. 2020 is a pivotal year. Speak up. Speak up. Let your voice be counted. My son, walk not you in the way with them. Refrain your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and make haste to shed blood. Oh, they'll wrap it in a narrative. But you know whose blood they really want to shed? That's right. They want brother to betray brother, because the prize, politically, globally, the prize is America. Bring down America, everything else falls. Western civilization globally will collapse. The prize is America. But the real prize is the Christian. The Holy Spirit-filled Christian is the real prize. So when you give power to people who hate Christ, who have an agenda to destroy the Christian family, when you give them power, they're coming back to shed your blood. They will slit the throats of your children right in front of your face and laugh in your face. You should have known better. We can't support these people, brethren, for their feet run to evil 
and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. In other words, we can go to their website, we can see their core values, and it's, it's in vain that they would try to trap us. We can see the trap. The trap only works for those who are blind. The, you know, the, the People fall into the pit if they don't see it. But through the light of God's word, we can see it. And surely in vain, you're wasting your time if you think you can capture us. Surely in vain, the net is spread in, the, in, in front of, so the bird can see it. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. All of this violence, Christ is coming to crush them. You think Christ is coming with a smile on his face? We have to read Revelation. He's coming with fury. He's going to unleash fury the world has never seen. And they lie in wait for their own blood. And they look privately for their own lives. So are the ways that of everyone that is greedy of gain, that takes away the life, which takes away the life of the owners thereof. So, you know, nobody's talking about this uh, retired uh, police officer, uh, David Dorn, 77 years old, and he went to protect the private property of a neighbor who, who, whose shop was being looted. And they killed him in cold blood and they streamed it on Facebook Live. This is a law-abiding citizen. This is a grandfather, a father and a grandfather, so an upstanding citizen. Somebody who served his country, served his city, served his community. And he was slaughtered in cold blood and it was streamed on Facebook Live and the media doesn't care. He was black, but his life doesn't matter because it doesn't fit the agenda of the Marxists. And they think they can play us for fools. And, and somehow this only matters when, when there's an election coming up. So we've got to agitate the blacks. Because there's no other race in America that votes as a block. There's no other race in America that is so dependent on the government that when you're dependent on the government, you're a juvenile. You're like a child. It's like when a child depends on a parent. I, I, if I feed my children, they have to do as I say. So the government loves to have dependents, loves to have people on food stamps, loves to have people on welfare. I grew up on welfare. My mother was on welfare when she left my, had to flee for her life with her four children. She had to take welfare. And I can remember these social workers coming to our house and they were doing some sort of calculations with my mom. And my mom was having an argument with them because they were convincing her she has to stay on welfare. And my mom was saying, absolutely not. She cannot stay on welfare. She has to work. And they were showing her the math that between transportation, having to buy clothes, having to buy food, that she would be further behind, that it's better for her to stay on welfare. And her principles, because my grandmother was a Christian, her Christian principles, my mother really wasn't a Christian when she was bringing us up. She was more agnostic. But her Christian principles that were embedded in her, she absolutely, welfare was like a, a safety net. It wasn't, it wasn't a habit. And so they tried to convince her to stay on welfare. And she said, absolutely not. And they showed her that it would be economically to her disadvantage. She said she didn't care. And she went out and she worked. And we had to look after ourselves. And, you know, when she came home, the house had to be clean. And we had things that we had to do. And from that decision, she started to work in a daycare center. And then from there, she got a job at the major retailer working in personnel. 
And then from there, she went on to work uh, in, in a massive library in administration. And she was always well-respected. And she went on to, you know, we bought a nice house. And every, every two years or so, we would move. We were, we, I lived with cockroaches on welfare. And I saw my mother work, work. The man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. To have, to have black adults sitting back and thinking welfare is a habit. What, generation to generation. Four or five generations on welfare, and they all vote one way. Because only one party will give them the welfare. You see the Asians come in. They don't sit down and collect welfare. They work. They face racism. And then they're the wealthiest people in America because they work. In all work, there is profit. And so my mother went on to, she's retired now, lives comfortably, fully everything's paid off. I'm happy I was able to help her. And she just lives so comfortably, despite how hard she had it. And the racism, she, she couldn't find a place to live. A single black woman with four children, nobody wanted to, to give her, uh, and we were, she, we were well behaved. So when, they, when she finally got a place and they found out she had four children, we were going to get evicted. And when they met us and they saw we were well behaved, the landlord said, okay, you can stay. And she went on to work. And that was my example. So when I started to fall into bad company and I saw these people who wouldn't work and I, I was with them for two years and two years later, they hadn't progressed. And every two years we were moving into nicer neighborhoods until we had a very, very nice home. And I could start to go to a nice school that was wired into me. You have to progress. And I'm sitting around with people who are not progressing. They're just complaining and collecting welfare. I couldn't do that. And so we, we can't be, we can't be uh, taken advantage of. You know, how is it that we look at what's happening in Hong Kong? Freedom being taken away. People being slaughtered. Police brutality. And we don't care. But a criminal runs afoul of law enforcement... And the whole world is up in arms. We're being manipulated. You know, Yuri Bezmenov explained to us what is going on. And if you look at this pattern that he explained, so he was a, a KGB spy. And he said, this is how a society is taken down. There's four steps. And I apologize, I'll just read this to you because it's not clear. But he was a KGB spy. He worked for the communists. They were looking for global domination. And they were to subvert different civilizations and subvert America. And he says, this is the pattern. And he sees it happening. Step one is demoralization. Educate an entire generation in Marxist ideology. So the cultural Marxists, the Frankfurt School, they've come in. They've taken over all the universities. They've taken over the curriculum. And they've infused it with Marxist ideology. And so the people are graduating with this Marxist ideology. And they're going into politics, they're going into entertainment, they're going into education, they're going into big business, and they're all Marxists. And he said, it just takes a generation. In 20 years, you've demoralized the nation. After that comes destabilization. You need to destabilize the economy, foreign relations, defense systems. So again, if we look at America, they were doing nothing. In, in fact, they were, they were depleting the military force of America. It's only recently that that's being turned around. But the objective is, to, is destabilization. Then comes the crisis. And that's where we are now. We're at the crisis. A violent change of power. So you, you, you'll hear people talking about an insurrection. You know, that, that Donald Trump is a dictator. 
even though he's trying to protect the First and Second Amendment rights, but he's a dictator, even though he's trying to give black people the greatest economy, the lowest unemployment blacks have ever had, but he's a dictator. And, and so now there's this, this insurgency and this violent overthrow of the government. That's, that's where we are now. And not, not just in America, but around the world. There needs to be a violent change of power. And we're going, we, because of the narrative, we're going to participate in this. And once we overthrow and bring down Western civilization, then we go into the period of normalization where we can then move in to the Marxist government. And that's where we are. That is exactly what's happening today. So we need to be very, very careful, brethren, what we are getting caught up in and, and, and not to be fooled. And how is it that it only comes up during an election cycle? For the last three years, black lives didn't matter. But all of a sudden, now that we're into an election cycle, and, and it's not that black lives matter, it's that the black lives that we choose, they're the ones that matter. Black, black people are being slaughtered. As I'm speaking to you right now, blacks are being slaughtered. Blacks are being aborted. And black men are murdering black men. But we can't, we can't talk about that. Those lives don't matter. Only the lives that, that the Marxists tell, tell us matter. Those, those are the only lives that matter. And we get swept up in this hysteria. And that reminds me as well, another sermon, if you could look this up in the archive. So who's my brother? Where we, I dealt in detail with Black Lives Matter. And the search for patient zero, where I dealt in detail with cultural Marxism, the search for patient zero. So if you haven't heard those uh, messages, if you could look those up in the archive or request them, info at CGI.org. Um, or if you have heard them, might be time for a refresher now that we're in this, this election cycle and this has reared its ugly head again. So what would Christ say? If we were to say to Christ, yes, I know I'm a Christian, but I'm also black or I'm also white. And there are certain white movements as well that people are getting caught up in. So, you know, we get caught up in this, this ethnic cycle as well. What would Christ say? Matthew 8. Matthew 8. Matthew 8 and verse 21. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. So I know I'm a Christian, but allow me to go and march in these protests. Because there's so much injustice and, um, you know, I, I want to march for the injustice. So I know I'm a Christian, but I also have this other priority. Allow me first to go and bury my father. Listen to Jesus Christ. I, I didn't say this. I didn't write this. I'm just reading it. I, 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 this is it. Like it's Matthew 8, verse 22. It's, check it because I read it with me because I didn't write this. Matthew 8, verse 22. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. So the Baal worshiper who is into pornography and degrading black women and giving black men an appetite for the degradation of black women who pointed a pistol in a pregnant woman's abdomen because he has no respect for women, has no respect for life and was going to kill her and the baby while they ransacked her house looking for drugs or money. Now he's a hero, and we need to take time to bury him. And Christ says to us, you have far more importance. There's an agenda. You're a part of something far greater. Let the dead, the Baal worshippers, bury the Baal worshippers. But we know from the word that not everybody is going to take Christ seriously. 
Luke 21 and verse 16, he says, you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk. And, and actually, speaking of that, I do, I do need to show you this. Um, because when I saw this, it was quite something. So you will be betrayed by your children. So look, take a quick look at this now. This is, and, and I'm, I'm speaking now to uh, our white brethren specifically. W- don't think that black lives matter just because you're white that it doesn't have, uh, it, it doesn't affect you. L- look at this. This is in Australia. Black Lives Matter Melbourne tells white people no selfies. So this is the protest that, that is coming up or was coming up last Saturday and the instructions that went up. The White Folks Guide to Protesting. If you are a white person considering joining a protest this week, here is a list of rules put together for you. And so, you know, many of you think your children are not going to get caught up in this. People want to virtue signal. They want to, they, they've, they've left the Bible, but they still want to feel good about themselves. So they have to be virtue signaling. Friends of color, if they have forgotten anything, please add. Number one, follow calls only. Do not initiate or lead calls. Your job is to follow and add your voice when it is called for. So in other words, let the black people do this to themselves. And you're there to add support. Number two, do not take selfies. Ask to take pictures or videos of individuals. So you don't take pictures of yourself, but ask to take pictures or videos of individuals. You are there to witness only. Film the police as much as possible. You want to catch the police doing something. Your goal is documentation to ensure that the true narrative is told or the narrative according to them. Be helpful. Hand out water and snacks. You, you white slaves. You inferior white slaves. Hand out water and snacks. Make sure protest leaders are hydrated and fed. These, these Baal worshippers. This is exhausting work. You need to help keep their energy up. Follow directions. If a black person tells you to do something, you better do it immediately without question. You respect the authority and the decisions of the black protesters at all times. You stupid white person. You worthless white person. If a black person tells you to do something, you do it immediately without question. You respect the authority and the decisions of the black protesters at all times. Stay in the back until you are called forward. Well, this is just so beautiful. I can feel the love. I can feel the spirit here. And I can just imagine when these people get in power, what a wonderful world it's going to be. Stay in the back until you are called. These poor people are organized. And organized people can be very powerful. Stay in the back until you are called forward. If you hear white people to the front or allies to the front, step forward and link arms with other white people to form a human shield. When you are at the front, you are silent. We don't care about what you think. We don't care what you have to say. You're just there as a prop. Your job is to be a body. You are there to support only. The only voices on the police line should be black voices. And then remain calm at all times. Don't don't get caught up. Uh, your adrenaline is going to be flowing. But remember, you're just a tool. So <laughs> this is, don't think because you're white, you can escape this. Don't, don't think because you're white, you don't have your own issues. And there's some KKK uh, racist organization that's, that's looking at all of this. And saying, we can't stand this. We can't have these blackies. We can't have these immigrants take our country away from us. And so action, reaction. So you're going to, you white, pe- white brethren, you're going to lose your children to virtue signaling. Or 
to radical racists, white supremacists. This is a horrible time we're heading in. And the only hope we have is the light of God's word. And we've got to be very, very clear about what we stand for and why and not get seduced. Let's go to Judges, Judges 6. We've been studying Judges, and I want to go here because these things are written for our example. So as we start to wind down now, let's go to Judges. And, yeah, let's just go a couple of scriptures here, a couple of passages. One is here in Judges. And Judges 6, look at this, verse 27. Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. So Gideon was given an instruction from God himself. So he took ten men to follow God's instruction. And so it was because he feared his father's household. So he was afraid of his father's household. These are his brethren. These are people that live in his father's household. And the men of the city, these are all Israelites. So it's not just his, the, it's the men of the city. He feared them, that he could not do what God asked him to do by day. So he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, so he basically struck down the altar of Baal, the altar of Baal was cast down. These are Israelites. And when they woke up in the morning to worship Baal, the altar was struck down according to God's instruction. And the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, who has done this? This is an egregious thing to them, that somebody would stand up to Baal and tear down the Baal worship. And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Listen to verse 30. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, bring out your son, that he may die. When I say the men of the city... The Israelites, these are Israelites under oppression by the Midianites, but they're worshiping Baal. Bring out your son because we want to kill him because he has cast down the altar of Baal. So Black Lives Matter, KKK, even, you know, the Marxists taking over the Democratic Party, infiltrating the Republican Party. All of this is Baal worship. Will we put this ahead of our brethren that call out our brethren who are trying to tear down Baal worship and they must die? We're going to betray them. They, even though they're carrying out the will of the Lord, they must die. This is written for our instruction. And because he has cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash, this is the, the wisdom of the father. He said unto all that stood against him, will you plead for Baal? Like he finally saw it clearly. There's, there's a line that they crossed that it kind of woke up Josh. And hopefully for us, you know, maybe four years ago, the Black Lives Matter was new. We could be hoodwinked by it. But surely now we understand Marxism and we see the threat to Western civilization. And we see them for the, for the death of George Floyd. We see them in the streets slaughtering other people, killing black people, killing black people over the death of a black person. That's got to wake us up. And we got to, will we plead for Black Lives Matter? Will we plead, and you know, all of these agendas, will we plead for them? Will you save Baal? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is yet morning. And that's what Christ warns us. If he be a God, let him plead for himself. Because one has cast down his altar. So, you know, if this is truly a righteous movement, let them look after themselves. 
if if God is on their side, they will be successful. God will support their movement if it's a righteous movement. We don't have to get involved. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has thrown down his altar. Let us collectively throw down these Baal worship altars and only have the agenda of worshiping God. What should we contend for? And let's conclude here in this passage, Jude, the book of Jude. And our, uh, Daniel read this earlier. Let's go back to Jude. We'll break in at Jude 3, and then we'll conclude. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, we all, black, white, doesn't matter. This is our common salvation. This is not about skin. It's about sin. And we're not going to get caught up in supporting any form of sin. We're going to be caught up in the word of God and the kingdom of God. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful, it was necessary for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. In other words, we don't have time to be distracted with worldly agendas. This is such a tall order. Contending for the faith of our fathers is such a tall order that we should be consumed by it. We don't have time. Let the dead bury their dead. It's unfortunate. You know, a criminal. No, nobody should die the way George Floyd died. But when you live that kind of life, it's a matter of time. You're going to die somehow. Every human being is going to die. But if you're a criminal, you're likely to have an unpleasant end. It's unfortunate. Christ says, let the dead bury their dead. I have bigger plans for you. That you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was, was, which, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Remember, this narrative has to creep in. It, it, Satan is not just going to come and say, come and kill your brothers. It's going to happen over time. And the narrative is going to creep in. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the town is worshiping Baal. And when somebody stands up against Baal, they're the ones that are out of sorts. They're the ones that are off key. And everybody wants to kill that person because over time, Baal worship crept in. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. So it's okay to loot. It's okay to shoot. Because a black man died. And, and even my business colleagues, when I talk to them, white business colleagues, they're supporting this behavior. No, they're not supporting the looting, but they're supporting the, the protesting, which turns, up in, turns out into looting and rioting. And they can't see the sin in it. Because everybody wants to virtue signal. Everybody wants to be like, yeah, I'm so broad-minded. And you know what? For the most part, people really are. The majority of people are not racist. Of course, there are still racists. Of course, there are horrible people. You know what? In addition to racists, you've got rapists, you've got pedophiles, you've got thieves, you've got all, all manner of demons out there. Why, why focus on one demonic activity? There's all kinds of demonic activity taking place. We are called to a much higher, we, we have to usher in the solution, not get caught up in the craft of the devil. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, that, that somehow this is justifiable within the church of God. This, this lasciviousness can be supported within the church of God and denying the only Lord God. Yeah, Jesus will come, you know, one day. Uh, yeah, one day Jesus will come, but we need action now. 
That's denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, remember 1 Corinthians 10, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. I'm going to read it again. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. If we are allowing to circulate within the church of God, that yeah, Jesus is a nice guy, and one day he's coming, but we need action now, that is denying the Lord Jesus. And we want to put them in remembrance, although they once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward he destroyed them that believed not. And then we'll drop down to verse 8, where he says, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, they despise dominion. That is the zeitgeist of the day, despising dominion. That is not the, the um, nature of the Christian. In fact, that just put me in mind of another scripture that will conclude with that scripture, that they despise dominion. And speak evil of dignities. This is now a common thing in our society. And it has crept into the church. Our forefathers would never speak the way we speak of, dignity, of dignities. In fact, for blacks, if, if the, the people who fought against slavery a hundred years ago, if they could be resurrected and shown all the opportunity that blacks have today, because that's all they wanted was opportunity. And if they were shown all the opportunities that blacks have today and how blacks are complaining and violently protesting because enough isn't being given to them, I think they would condemn this generation. I think if Martin Luther King could be resurrected and see that his dream is now a nightmare, that people are being judged not by the content of their character, but by the color of their skin. Because they're white, they must be killed. They must be humiliated. Martin Luther King would rise up and condemn this generation. He would never imagine that this is what it would come to. So this is the zeitgeist, and it creeps into the church, unbeknownst to us. Despising dominion and speaking evil of dignities. Verse 12, at verse 11, he says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, slaying their brother, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward lasciviousness, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots on your feasts of love. And when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water. So we just come out of Pentecost. We can't come out of Pentecost and have any of this ideology in our mind, or we fall into this category of being spots on the feasts of love. I want to uh, conclude I was going to go to Ephesians, but if you could jot down Ephesians 5.11 and look at the context around it that says we should have no fellowship, zero fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Won't you join me, please, for the love of God, won't you join me in reproving these works of evil and keeping it out of the church? Whatever your sphere of influence is, I'm pleading with you to contend for the faith once delivered and reprove these works of darkness and don't allow them to come in to the church. We're going to conclude in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2. 
First Peter 2. First Peter 2 and verse 13. Submit yourselves. This, this is the Christian way. Faith of our fathers. If our fathers could be resurrected, if the early church could be resurrected and examine our behavior today, this is what they would be looking for. If Peter could look and see, how is the church doing? 2,000 years later, at the end of the age, Christ is about to return. And Peter wants to look at the church and see, how is it doing? And ministers, he's going to have a meeting with the ministers. How is your congregation doing? This is what he's going to be looking for. These are his instructions. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. We don't have to over, violently overthrow the government, bring down Western civilization. That is not a Christian behavior. Submit yourselves instead to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. We don't run afoul of the law. We don't have to worry about a police officer kneeling on our neck because we're not going to be trafficking drugs. In fact, when you look at the video, when this man is being, um, he's resisting, the video before that you see him, he's actually resisting arrest, getting violent. When he's subdued, you see him uh, drop a bag of cocaine. He realizes he's busted, so he drops the drugs, and that's on video. Well, if you're going to live that kind of life, you're going to run into law enforcement, and it's not going to be pretty. But Christians, that shouldn't be our problem. So governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. We should be able to operate in society that we don't run into the law enforcement. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. It's not through rioting and supporting of rioting that we get the upper hand. It's through our righteous conduct. As free... And not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Don't stop the rhetoric. Our freedom is to love the brethren. That's how we use our freedom. Not to destroy the brethren. Not to despise the brethren. Not to bring false ideologies into the, into the fellowship of the brethren. So we use our freedom to serve and to love the brethren. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. And, and you read the Black Lives Matter, their, the, the, you, and you read their, the instructions to white people. This is malicious. And, and they're, they're cloaking it with this sort of virtue signaling. But we can see through that. When Satan came to Eve to say, this fruit will be good for you, she should have seen through that. And Satan used the narrative to change how Eve perceived God. And the same thing is happening today. He's using a narrative to change how we perceive our brother or our sister. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Listen to Peter's instruction. Honor all men. There's nothing racial here. We don't care about race. We don't care. We don't judge by the color of skin. And even the malicious, we pray for Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Peter would be astonished if he got wind that anybody in the fellowship was putting their carnal skin before a brother or sister in Christ. This, this would be astonishing. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And those two go hand in hand. 
We can't say we love God and we don't love the brotherhood and then honor the king. We can't say we fear God and we despise the king. And the king of the free world today, I think we can figure out who that is. We, we cannot have the free world collapse. It's not going to be good for us, nor our children, nor our grandchildren. Let me end there. Western civilization is collapsing. 2020 is a pivotal year. It's not even half over. It's a pivotal year. We have no idea what we will face from one week to the next. From one Sabbath to the next, we look forward to gathering together. Hopefully we'll be able to gather together again in person very soon. We just have no idea. It's a crazy world. And those who are hungry for power will do anything to get it. The tragedy of one is a, is a, the death of one is a tragedy. The death of millions, statistic. And those who have this lust for power, let me tell you, they hate Christ. And that means they hate you and they hate me. Let us love one another. When I was a young man, one of my earliest mentors, you know, I look back today and I realize how much he didn't understand. But back in the day, I hung on his every word. And he has a lot to do with why I'm here today. And I'm going to leave you with his words. So as I say goodbye, brethren, I want to say to you that God loves you. I love you. I speak all these words in love. We are in a very, very dangerous time. We don't know what's coming, but we know something big is coming. And ultimately we know brother will betray brother. So let us get rid of any hint of that. We don't want any of that in our DNA. Because once it's in there, Satan will blow it up and he'll, 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 he'll knock us out and take advantage of us. So let's do all we can to root this out of the church, to protect ourselves from these narratives that are swirling all, all around us, and to love one another. I'm going to leave you with the words of one of my mentors that, that had a lot to do with me being here today. Keep on!
Wow, brethren, I hope that your heart was touched today by the message that Pastor Agent delivered to all, to all of us. No matter what color of your skin is, I hope that we got the vision, that we could see the vision, that we could put all together all our energy and our passion for the kingdom of God. And in this difficult time, it's very important, it's very important to stay to the facts. Because it's very easy to go with the crowds. That requires no effort. It's very easy to go with the crowds. But it requires a lot of effort to sift through the different narratives, compare it, study it, and come to the conclusion based on facts, not based on our feelings. And I just want to say in the end that it was a very difficult week for all of us. I was also looking for answers. And as you know, we can't find these answers coming from our political leaders, no matter where you live, because everybody follows the crowd. And I'm thankful for Pastor Agent that, you know, he came with such a strong voice today and lead us into the right directions. We know how difficult it is to stay righteous in these difficult times when there is overwhelming the mass or or I wanted to say information, but it's actually misinformation all around us. And we just, you know, we just take the sides based on the headlines, not based on the facts. So Pastor Agent, I want to thank you so much for your diligence, for your bravery, for courage to speak to us, speak to us in such a difficult times. Now this time I'll We'll conclude before we have a closing hymn for today. We'll do the closing prayer first, and we'll sing a wonderful hymn at the end. So just bow your heads. Bow your heads, brethren, and just be united in this prayers with me and all of us. Loving Father, it is a great privilege and great honor to be called by your name. But to be called by your name requires also a great action and a great sacrifice. Father, we are called to die for one another. We are not called to die for the sin. We are called to die for one another. Called for die for brothers and sisters in the faith. And as we learn today, let us not make the same mistakes as the Israelites went. God provides freedom for them, but they actually never march into this promised land. Their body falls into the wilderness, and the same warning stands for us. We are liberated by Christ through the Passover experience. God gave us this Holy Spirit, but we have a walk to walk towards this promised land. Let us be faithful. Let us be courageous. Let us be dedicated to no one else or nothing else except the kingdom of God and message relating to this kingdom. Let everything else just be secondary. Just learn from it and navigate through this difficult time, through these difficult circumstances. And Father, I just want to thank you also for the courageous leaders 
And as the stands will get worse and worse and worse, we'll need more leaders like that that are going to expand the word, to, the word of God and steer us into the proper directions, Father. So thank you so much, Father, for this beautiful Sabbath day. Us, we still can worship in freedom. We still have a lot of freedom that is upon our hands here in North America. Father, that many countries, that many people just wish that we have at least half of it. And Father, with it, we bless you, Holy Name, for giving us all of this. And Father, we also thank you that you give us the proper warning at the proper time. And Father, as we go through this, next week and the next time, keep us vigilant, keep us informed, and keep us dedicated. So we praise you, we worship your holy name, Father. We ask you all these things in other name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So brethren, let's just conclude. We're going to turn to hymns 217 onward, Christian soldiers, and sing in joy. And see you next week. God bless you all.